This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world, hosted by Christian Blatt. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Blattcast. It is still the holiday season, so we want to continue providing some great content for each and every one of you in Blattcast Nation. And today... We're back with a couple more musician interviews here for Blackcast 578. Uh, in a moment, you're going to hear a really fun conversation I had with Felix Cavalier of The Rascals. And then I'm going to revisit with Dale Lytle of the band Angelus. Dale has no shortage of great stories. And as it turns out, no shortage of uh, projects he's working on right now. He had three or four things I had no idea were going on. So very exciting to get a chance to talk to Dale again. But before we do that, let's talk to Felix Cavalieri of The Rascals. Uh, he has a great new solo album out with a fantastic single called Soul Love. The album's called Then and Now. Felix, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Well, my pleasure, Chris. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. And uh, I just have to mention a, on, a, on a personal note, uh, my eight year old son's name is Felix. So uh, oh, I've, cool, I've actually yeah. I've never I've never interviewed a Felix before, but uh, I do. I do talk to one uh, very regularly. I think that uh, I'm going to be able to keep more even tones and I won't have to yell at you to do your homework, Felix. I think there, we'll you right. there you go. There you go. Who did you name him after? I may ask. You know, my wife and I, we really liked the name and it just, you know, we didn't want to have a particularly common name. And we thought for a minute like, oh, but are people going to think Felix the cat or, you know, Felix from the odd couple? And then we thought like, what kids are going to know those two references, you know? And right. uh, yeah, we just really liked the name. We wanted to have something that was different, but you know, not, not everybody can get away with naming their kid you know, Apple or moon unit or dweezil, yeah, really, you know, so. <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Let me just tell my manager. We're good. Uh, basically, uh, in my case, uh, my, my father's family is from a town, uh, in Italy where their St. Felix was born. Oh, very nice. So I am the third in a line and it looks like last in the line but you know uh we they all named their sons felix so that's pretty cool yeah it's right that outside of Na cool. naples Italy. you said uh you said it was outside of naples yes i've uh I, i've traveled around uh italy but uh that's one yeah. one little spot on the map i haven't been to you know a lot of like you know florence venice uh milan cinque terra uh, you know, but you, oh, no, I couldn't get to it all, you know, <laughs> no, I, I, it's 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 great to see. But, yeah, that's how I got my name. Just uh, yeah, well, uh, and uh, his little sister's name is Lucy. Uh, and oh. uh, so uh, a, a great friend of mine, uh, you know, if I if I thought about the fact that we were going to talk about it, I'd, I'd have the picture where I could show it. Uh, a, a friend of mine named Jean Beretta, who is a uh, a, a children's illustrator. He drew a cartoon with Felix the cat and, you know, Lucy from Peanuts and uh, Lucy from Peanuts is in her little doctor is in booth and uh, saying to Felix the cat, I, I think our parents watch too much TV. So it's, uh, it's a really special uh, thing that I was able to get there. But anyway, that's enough about my kids. Um, you know, whenever I but speaking about being kids, whenever I talk to musicians for the first time, I always like to start with finding out 
the role that maybe music played in their life just growing up? Was it always on in your house? Were your parents musical in any way? How, at what age do you remember music being a part of your life? Well, when I was five years old, my mom uh, enrolled me in piano lessons. And they immediately saw that I had some talent or something. So they, they enrolled me in a very serious school, which it was uh, uh, two years, I mean, two, two, two lessons a week for eight years I did. And uh, it, was a, a, it was a really great thing for me because I really, really learned music. That was classical music. But I was on the road at that time to, uh, you know, become a classical pianist. That's, that's what it was all about. So, yeah, I started that way. And uh, no, uh, there was no one in my family that I was aware of that was a musician, per se. You know, most of my family was medical. Right. And uh, it just happened that uh, basically I kept continuing, continuing, continuing. So is there is there a moment where, you know, you go from like classically trained pianist to you see little Richard on TV or something like that? You know, is oh, there yeah. is there a moment of like, wait, 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 piano oh, yeah. can be a lot more fun. <laughs> well, you know, I wrote a book uh, it's called Memoir of a Rascal, which explains the whole thing. But basically what happened is uh, I went from uh, 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 what do you call elementary school to junior high. And the first day of school this fellow who was to become one of my dearest friends, his last name was C-A-L and my last name is C-A-V. So he sat right in front of me and he turned around and he said, Hey, you like rock and roll? I had never heard rock and roll. I was really not really allowed to hear too much outside of what I was studying, you know, but I said, yes, because I wanted to be cool. <laughs> and I went home that evening and we had the good fortune growing up near New York City of having Alan Freed, who brought music called rock and roll from Cleveland to New York WINS, turned on the radio, heard the aforementioned people you're talking about, Little Richard, Fats Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, playing the same instrument that I was playing, but not exactly the way I was playing it. So, yes, it really captured me captivated me enthralled me and you that's know where I, I really started. yeah i i can definitely see how that would happen you know that's sort of like you know there's a there's sort of a generational moment a lot of times people will be like well i saw the beatles on ed sullivan if they're a little younger you know the first time they saw kiss and they couldn't understand like what is all this you know and the thing you know but so for you it was the sounds and it's interesting because i've lived in la for 20 years but i grew up in the new york area oh, and man. thinking about uh, WINS being a, a music station, I was of course aware of you know MCA and you know uh, and uh, w ABC ABC of course, but uh, to me, ten ten wins is always the news station. You know, Absolutely. so thinking about the fact that they were ever a music, of course they all were music stations at some point. But uh, I until you just said that, I just thought you know MCA ABC those were like the only game in town, but. Uh, uh, that's that's actually pretty interesting. And and Alan Freed was on uh, WINS. Correct. Well, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And, See, that I didn't well, know. He yeah. really started it. You know, he brought it to the whole world, but he brought it to New York City from Cleveland. And uh, it was fascinating, man, because, uh, you know, what, what was really like, for example, he, they would do uh, uh, live shows at the theaters 
you know, the movie theaters, Lowe's, RKO's, etc. Yeah. They would have perhaps 10 acts on those shows, maybe for $5. But those people would be like legendary. Like, you know, you have Chuck Berry's and Bo Diddley's and Little Richard's. And so, I mean, it was really fascinating because, you know, I, I mean, the interesting thing is obviously the music was fresh and new, you know, to most of us, not just people like me who were listening to class. It was new. It was unique. It was R&B. And the other interesting thing about it is that uh, prior to, you know, like the computer world, there was no way to auto-tune somebody's voice. There was no way to fix up people's mistakes. I, we could fix anything. now. We could fix syllables. You know, when somebody goes in and says the word stream yard, you could do the S T ream Y A R D. So what I point I was trying to make is the people who were singing and playing were unbelievably talented. Right. Of course. And, and you had to be, you know, especially, you know, when you're going on a, on a bill with some of the talent you're talking about now, did you get to go to any of those shows that you're talking about where, you know, as many, like, as, as, many as I could. Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and uh, yeah, I mean, and I think that's the the benefit when you grow up in a you know in a, a big metropolitan area like New York, you get the opportunities to actually see those things, you know. And uh, I, I so that that had to be great. And and uh, you said the uh, the name of your book, which uh, I didn't I didn't realize. I, uh, I I should have flipped through it. I know it's a little it's a little older, but I, I wish I'd uh, had a chance to look at it before I talked to you. Um, just sort of give sort of the broad strokes. To how the the rascals come about because uh, okay. I, it's uh, such an important part of your story and just for our audience who maybe doesn't know you know mm -hmm. rascals songs but maybe just off the top of your head you don't realize but good loving grooving a beautiful morning uh, i've been lonely too long people got to be free how can i be sure those just you know those this just the tip of the iceberg so how does uh, the rascals come about you know just from you you know, loving this music, going to see it when you can, listening to it on the radio, uh, and you know, playing piano as as best you can. How does how do the rascals grow out of that? Well, I mean, let me see if I can encapsulate it because it's a it's a fairly long story. But uh, I, I ended up, you know, basically getting involved in in what we call rock and roll pop music in high school, and then college. I went to college to uh, uh, actually to be in pre med. I started a band in Syracuse University. And uh, we took a summer job in the Catskill Mountains. So if you're familiar with the Catskill Mountains, that was the place for everybody to go in the summer to uh, you know, take a vacation and to hear live music and to hear comedians. And it was really an excellent place to uh, work, number one, and to you know visit, number two. Well, every weekend they would have a um, a main act come in. You know, we were the house band, so to speak. It was called Felix and the Escorts. And uh, one weekend, this group came in called Joey D and the Starliners. They had this hit called Paper Peppermint Twist. They came in. I met them. I uh, was really that was the moment to really change my life because I met uh, David Brigatti, who was my ex songwriting partner and singer partner eddie brigatti's brother all right so then the uh 
the, the season goes and it's time to go back to school. And I get a phone call from Joey D's manager. Would you like to join the band? Their organ player quit and they're in Europe. So I said, hmm, let's see. I could go back to the freezing winter up in Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked, I, I asked my dad what he thought. And, you know, he, he said, wow, man, you know, I could give it a shot. Give it a shot. You know, uh, I said, okay. I flew over and uh, the, the shows that we did, the first one was in Frankfurt, Germany. Wow. And it's an interesting phenomenon that the band that was opening up for the Joey D and the Starlighters was called the Beatles. <laughs> wow. So I, I immediately saw a phenomenon that was about to happen very shortly in the United States, but it had not quite gotten there yet. And I saw these, uh, you know, screaming horde of people. Well, it was very difficult to even hear yourself, never mind the music. And these fellas up there with long hair. And I said, wow, this might, this looks like fun. Maybe I should do this. <laughs> and that's a true story. I mean, like I said, uh, wow, I think I could do this, you know? Uh -huh. And oh, uh, little little did I know they were the, some of the best songwriters that ever lived, but we didn't know that at the time. No, and and you know, look, if if you had decided that uh, you're going to go back to freezing cold Syracuse and you know, become a doctor, <laughs> you'd still have this great moment where you're like, oh yeah, I saw the Beatles like way before they were the Beatles, you know, like right before they they broke big, and that's cool enough right there, but. Obviously, when you see that happening, you're like, yeah, I can't imagine. It's funny you mentioned that because literally yesterday uh, I was being interviewed by somebody and I was talking about I went to school for communications, radio, TV, film. I love music, but I don't have a musical bone in my body. I just mm -hmm. have ears that appreciate it. And, you uh, and, you know, for you grow up in the New York area, Syracuse is the big communications school. But yeah. uh, I was like, I want to I want to work in radio and TV, but I don't want to be that cold. So I, I went to Harris <laughs> College in Poughkeepsie. Cause that's cold, that's but it's not as cold. You know what I mean? I know, it's like, I know that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't quite as cold. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Marist. It's closer to the city. I can intern and stuff like that. Um, I, I definitely want to talk to you about, uh, about your new album and uh, we've got plenty of time to do that. Um, I just uh, want to talk about the, this list of achievements for the rascals, uh, obviously rock and roll hall of fame. That's, that's so huge to be considered part of that. Also, Musicians Hall of Fame, Grammy Hall of Fame, Songwriters Hall of Fame, Vocal Group Hall of Fame, Hit Parader Hall of Fame, and Hammond Hall of Fame. And my apologies if there's another Hall of Fame that I that I missed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, look, uh, I think that uh, being a part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just must feel, you know, to have that kind of acknowledgement. I mean, for the outside, there's those of us that scratch our heads a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The fact that the current class, the only real rock band is Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> you know, and uh, I don't want to get you in trouble with anybody over there, Felix. But sometimes, you know, you're just like, uh, you know, you feel like, you know, this version of a band goes in these members, those don't. It's like even when they get it right, they don't get it wrong. But for you, that has to be great that you're a part of it, you know, and uh, how uh, how did you feel when you found that you had indeed been inducted that you and the rascals were going in and getting that kind of recognition? Oh, it was, 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 was really cool to say the least. It was, yeah, you know, just to explain, you know, when the rock and roll 
Hall of Fame started. It was not televised. Right. And basically, it was really a lot of fun because it was kind of like a reunion would be if you're going to your college or your high school or your fraternity or whatever. It was a lot of fun because it was informal. Then the powers that be decided to make it a television show. Now you got all the Hazarai. Now you got all the problems. Now you got all the things. Well, we got to attract viewers. So we got to induct yeah. people that attract viewers. Uh, what does that have to do with rock and roll? Nothing. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's kind of like the good old corporate curse, you know? So, okay, it's still the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, you know, the one that you mentioned that really means the most to me is the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Songwriters Hall of Fame, people don't even know exists because it has no physical site, has no TV exposure. It happens, usually it happens in a hotel in New York City in June of every year. Right. Uh, and uh, the people who are in it, uh-oh, until recently, no one even knows who they are unless they happen to know people who write songs like Cole Porter, Irving Berlin, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein, George Gershwin, you know, nobody special, just the best that ever lived, you know. So uh, that's the difference. There's no um, publicity involved with the titles. And, and that makes a big difference. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you need great musicians who can uh, put those songs, you know, on record and perform them live. But the importance of the songs being good enough for people to care and be connected with, you know, it's like when, you know, you have people who've sort of dabbled in music in their own way, you know, people like Desmond Child and Holly Knight. But then when you look just the hundreds of songs they write for other people, you know, uh, and, you know, and, and it's just it's so impressive when when honestly i think uh, i think holly knight also wrote songs you know she would write songs for rock bands but also like tina turner and it's interesting when somebody can do that you know when they write not just for themselves you know i mean you know prince has you know the, the body of work he has and he basically gives away manic monday you know because he's like that's not really me and then the bangles have this great song you know so it's it's so interesting to think about songwriters and the ability but also to maybe recognize you know this one's not for me you know but uh so you getting to be a part of uh, some of that I, I think that i i think makes sense because it's not for television and you're not going to put songwriters who m maybe you know i'm not going to not going to call any any musicians out but there's some songs that are written better than others let's say you know Ooh, and yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So. And uh, McCart McCartney wrote most of them. You know, like, yeah, right. McCartney exactly. and, and Bob Dylan. I mean, there's nobody better than that. Elton John. No, of course not. You know, yeah. But I mean, as I say, you know, like all, all of these Hall of Fames, they also carry a little bit of karma with them. You know what I'm saying? But that yeah. particular one, that's cool. So uh, really cool. you you still do stuff uh, with the Rascals, uh, and uh, right. my my understanding from the notes is uh, anybody who wants to see what the Rascals are up to, the Rascals Tour dot com is where they can find out that sort of stuff. But I do want to talk to you uh, about 
the solo album and uh, right. i thought it was interesting that i guess this is uh, this isn't your first solo album then and now but it's your first solo album in 30 years so uh t well, yeah yeah 1993 so that is 30 years i just see i went to college felix like i explained so My i was man. able to do that like that i'm like yep 30 years <laughs> um, so talk about then and now how you know was there was there an a, a re, an aversion to doing a solo album for twenty eight of those years? No, How does it no, come no. about? Well, you know, uh, basically, I, I did other albums during that period of time. I, I wish they hadn't put that into the publicity. Tell you the truth, because it just confuses people. I did a Christmas yeah. album that during that period. I did at least one live album during that period. Oh, cool. I didn't do a studio album. You know, and 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 one of the reasons you, you don't do a studio album is uh, because, uh, like, wh what are you going to do with it? <laughs> yeah. You're going to hang it on your wall. You know, Paul <laughs> Simon recently put out an album, and Paul Paul Simon's a pretty good songwriter, by the way. You know, not bad. Yeah. You know, he, he, he's 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 written a few good ones, Felix. Yes, yeah, a couple. <laughs> and he said after after the release of it, he said, "I don't know why I do this because you can't get it played on the radio. People really." Yeah. For the most part, don't buy it. I'm sorry to say. Well, maybe I shouldn't do this. Now that would be a tremendous loss because every song that that he does is part of his heritage that I think really should not disappear. But there is a, a there, there there is an economic kind of factor to it. You put you know X amount of money into something and get absolutely no return. Sometimes, you know, uh, most of the time, you know. So you say, well, why am I doing this? Well, the only reason you really do it is because you have this desire to create, which is why I moved to Nashville. I moved to Nashville. I live in Nashville. This is Music City, and there's no question about it. The songwriters down here, uh, they, 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 they hold a, a, a certain position of kind of like understanding or, or respect that doesn't really happen in a lot of other cities. They, they get what we do down here, you know? And there's so many of us. So a lot of people just fly in, you know, and write, stay for a week and then go back. But what happened with this particular album was COVID, the pandemic. You know, sure. uh, we got this idea, you know, my manager and, 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 and a few other people say, look, wh why don't we do? And it goes back to our last subject songs. Let me do five songs that influenced you. Re-record them and then write five new songs that kind of show that influence for want of a better word, you know? So it would be now and then, then and now, et cetera, et cetera. So we started it and then the pandemic hit. So now we can't work. I mean, everything was pretty much closed, but we do have our computers and we do have our technology and we do have our pro tools and our logic and our, you know, uh, sounds. So we continue to do it. And I, by we, I mean the members of my band, my guitar player and co-producer, Mike Seavers. So we we really kept sharp doing this. We had a ball doing this. And it came out quite good. You know, it's interesting that you say that because uh, over the last few years in particular, I have definitely talked to a, a lot of musicians who had time to do an album that they weren't expecting. Sometimes it's with their main band. And in some cases, it's with their main band and a solo album and a new project, you know, because people like you're talking about during the pandemic, people were going stir crazy when people were lucky enough to have uh, facilities in their homes like so many musicians do. Uh, and just 
there's so much music that was recorded over that year and a half or so that still hasn't come out because it's like you, you can't put it all out at once. And I, I think uh, what you were saying before that, there's so much truth in that where there are a lot of bands that, you know, are still very popular. They tour, they do a lot of stuff, but you've had musicians, you know, uh, the two that immediately come to mind, both Aerosmith and Kiss have said, why, why would we make new music? But then you have other bands like Cheap Trick who put out a new album every year and we're like, yeah, I mean, it's just who we are. We've, we have it in us. We want to let it out. We want to share it with people. And yeah, we're going to play, you know, maybe one or two of those songs. People come out and see the hits. But I think that, you know, and Cheap Trick puts out great albums. Uh, there, you know, there's a lot of bands that still put out great music. But how do you hear it? Well, you're really a, a, you're a fan of the band and you're on their mailing lists or social media and you know it comes out. So, you know, these bands will have like, oh, look, we have the number one album this week because it came out. And then the next week it's, you know, number 75 or whatever. And it's it's very unfortunate because obviously, you know, the the old method of you work a record, you put out a bunch of singles, you stretch it out. You know, the new single comes out, you get more sales. But radio stations, even satellite radio they don't really want to play new music from classic artists. They'll do it when it comes out. They'll be like, oh, there's a new Deep Purple record. Here it is today. But then tomorrow they're right back to Smoke on the Water, you know? And uh, it, it, it's unfortunate that uh, that the economics don't work. But I'm glad that uh, you didn't let that get in the way. And uh, then and now uh, was, was still something you were invested enough and you wanted to share with people. Yeah, very well put. I mean, you, you you summed it all up, my man. That's why you know, basically, I'm on the blood blood bladcast, my man. That's where it's at. See, I mean, like Thank I you. say, yeah, that's where it's at. I mean, you've got you got to get out there to the public, and uh, you know, maybe somebody will hear it and like it. You know, uh, one of the interesting things that happened here was, uh, you know, we finished it up, and then uh, you know, we, we were getting ready to release it. And then uh, again, my manager, you know, he comes up a lot in my conversations. He said, "No, no, 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 man, you got to do a vinyl." So wait, what do you mean? You, you, you have to do a vinyl. Uh, what? Yeah, people are buying <laughs> vinyls. It's well, true. Well, the problem is that up until very recently, the people who do the pressings for you know the vinyl product are the same people that did it in 1960s and 70s. There's only a couple of plants in the U.S., and they're all booked up with Beyonce and Taylor Swift. You can't get in there. <laughs> For a year. So it took uh, me over a year. Now people are starting to realize, well, okay, maybe we should start one of these plants. Yeah. And so uh, that, that was the most interesting thing. So I, as, as I was looking into this so-called new, uh, new phenomenon that's old, vinyl, I, I realized, you know, okay, it sounds different. But... I think really what it is is people want to have something in their hands that they own. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I uh, because I referenced at the beginning of our conversation, I have two small children in my house, so the physics of vinyl doesn't yeah. appeal to me because you know if there's jumping around in the house, I don't want my new record to get scratched. So uh, <laughs> I still tend to prefer to buy things on CD for the simple reason uh, it can go from CD to right onto my iPhone. And, uh, you know, and then I can listen to it. You know, I tell a lot of musicians that I appreciate the care and the detail they put in for me. 
does it sound good when I've got one earbud in while I'm doing the dishes at night, uh, <laughs> keeping an ear on the kids and making sure they need me. Uh, so, but what I really like is to, uh, if I've got a, if I've got a long drive, that's when I like to, to sure. you know, put in a new album and listen to it. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, and I appreciate when people put out albums. I love to look through the liner notes, you know, uh, you know, and as a kid, you, it's like, you knew who the guest musicians were on everything because you, you sat there and listened and you read the liner notes and, you know, I, I it, it, sometimes you'd even get the lyrics and, you know, when a band put the lyrics in there, I'm like, I'm like studying it. It was like doing my homework, you know, it was, <laughs> they spoke well, put more mean, time into it than actual homework. <laughs> as you know, I mean, like, you know, basically when, when, when people first started listening on, uh, uh, in your case, you know, an iPhone or an Android phone, you know, it, it didn't sound that great. But no. you know what? I mean, the earbuds that they have out now and, you know, the uh, it sounds pretty darn good now. I mean, let's face it, it really sounds good. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, I, I'm sure that many people mix uh, with that in mind. So that you know, they know that this sounds good in your in your AirPods or or you know in your Bose or in your Sony's because many people listen. They listen, you know. Not we used to do it in car radios. I mean, we used yeah. to have little car radios in the studio, you know, car speakers, and you know, you you'd have these giant speakers. You got these little pieces of junk that you have in your you know in your car, and you had to make sure it sounded good on that man, or you couldn't release it. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I say, it, it, if you're if you're a music lover, it sounds like you're a music lover. Yeah. You're going to listen to music, right? Exactly, and uh, you know, I, I and you know, it, it doesn't always it doesn't even always happen. But uh, you know, if uh, if a band that I that I have been a fan of for decades puts out something new, and maybe I don't love it, I'm still like I'm glad they're still out there trying. They're still putting stuff out, and you know when when it does get some kind of traction. And I mean, that's the crazy thing. It's like, oh yeah, we put out this new album and it's actually selling well because uh, eight seconds of this one song is being used on TikTok by a lot of people. You're like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> you know, so whatever it takes in this day and age. But uh, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad that uh, you put the, uh, you put out a, a full album. And as we wind down, I did want to talk because uh, obviously our visual audience is able to see some of the the nice the beautiful packaging there with right. the butterfly. So I wanted to give you a moment as we uh, wind down the conversation to talk about sort of the significance of having the the butterfly here. Well, you know, uh, the symbol symbolism of it is 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 a very joyful kind of a promise for the future, uh, happy peace. You know that that kind of energy is always what I've, I've kind of stood for. And this just really depicted it. It really came out and said, look at me. Isn't that nice and pretty and wonderful and soft and gentle for about 10 seconds? Can I have your attention? 15. How about that? You know, and I think we need that in our life. You know, there's a lot of like tranquility in there. There's a lot of, you know, really depth in there, you know, and uh, I'm so glad that it happened like that, you know, because uh, the title really, really doesn't uh, speak to that. But it does if you go really deep into it. So it all works out. Well, uh, Felix, it was uh, wonderful to get a chance to chat with you. Uh, for people to get more information and to uh, obviously be able to pick up then and now, either physically or obviously digitally, uh, Felix Cavalier, but I'm going to spell it F-E-L-I-X-C-A-V-A-L-I-E-R-E, music.com. 
and That's then right. just on Twitter at your name. Uh, Felix, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. It was uh, wonderful to get to chat with you. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, whatever comes next. And, uh, you know, we're into November. The fact that you mentioned that you put out a Christmas album uh, within the last few years, uh, I've got something new to look for. Oh, good. Well, maybe we'll have to send it to you. And by the way, say hello to Felix and Lucy for me. <laughs> I absolutely will. <laughs> I'll play this for them. And I'll be like, Felix, Felix says hi. Uh, thanks again. And uh, right, our man. audio audience is uh, going to hear a little bit of soul love right now. Thanks again to uh, Felix Cavalier. Thanks again, man. of the band Angelus. Uh, they have a couple of new songs that we're going to talk about crimes of insanity and raising hell. Uh, Dale, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me again. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, I think we talked, I think it was, uh, I was thinking it was a year ago, maybe two years ago. I'm not sure. So let's just uh, talk about what's going on uh, with the band these days. I know that, uh, You've got uh, some shows. Angelus has some shows with uh, Lita Ford coming up in the new year, right? Yes. 19th uh, at the ranch in Fort Myers. And then uh, the 20th in um, West Palm Beach uh, at Banyan, the Banyan Live. Yeah, the Banyan Live. Yeah. So those are two Florida gigs on a weekend coming up in uh, in late January. And yeah. uh, obviously uh, Lita's great she's always been great she's still great uh yeah. i i'm gonna assume you've probably known her for a while though right you know i really never oh. i know chris holmes that was married to her sure. but other than that we've never uh crossed paths that i can remember i mean we were at the rainbow i was always there in the day and sure. I, I mean i'm sure she was probably there i just don't remember i didn't recall well, but. and 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 good for Lita back in the old days. And I'm talking the Runaways days. Uh, they yeah. they didn't they didn't check IDs there, so she didn't have to worry about it back then. You know? Right? So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's great, and uh, I'm glad that uh, Angelus is going to be out there with Lita, and uh, you know, obviously, she's. Uh, you know, I think there's uh, there's plenty of great uh, women in, in rock slash hard rock to point to. But, uh, you know, lead is yeah. obviously still out there, still doing it well. You know, you're talking about the old days. And I think that's a great way to talk about your new song, Raising Hell. And uh, I like that there's a little intro before the song starts. I, I have to admit that when that intro started, I knew what you sounded like because I had talked to you. And I'm like, 
oh, did they send me a clip of like an interview or something? And then the song starts and I'm like, okay, I get it. So talk a little bit about the song and then the idea to have it start, you know, the the track starts with the conversation of like, oh, let me tell you what the old days were about. That was kind of just that spare the moment ad lib thing in the studio. And we all, including the engineer, which is he's really good, Mike Brown. Uh, you know, we're recording at the lava room and and basically it's Cleveland. Um and we all just went, wow, you know, let's just keep that. It worked. Yeah. You know, that was cool. And we liked the idea, and that's all there was no more to it. It wasn't really thought out one bit. Yeah, and that was no, me no, and the part. Bill brought brought um Bill Wildman came in. That was me and him. So Oh, that's great. So uh so talk a little bit about the idea of doing the song is like, you know, because look, I'm in my, well, my late forties now. And I lived in, I lived in New York until 20 years ago. So what I knew of the sunset strip was all from afar. You know, there was uh, that uh, decline of Western civilization, part two video, you know, the documentary, I mean, so, you know, I, I, I knew from like videos and stuff, I didn't know anything about it. So I, I like the idea of like, let me tell you what it's about. Uh, Talk a little bit about how the song does that, and uh, you know some of the some of the things that are referenced in there. That obviously, I mean, we already talked about the rainbow, and I know the rainbow shows up in the song. Yeah, and their pizza. Oh, I should have said more about the pizza. <laughs> well, the next album, <laughs> you do a whole song about you do a yeah, whole song about rainbow pizza for the next album, Dale. Right. Yeah, but you know, it's um, I, I don't know. It's like I wanted to write a song about what was somewhat touch on it and what happened. And it was, it was just wild and crazy times. And um, I, I, I think I say that exact same thing in the song and, you know, it's, we played with Betsy and Rat and, and, and Bon Jovi and Quiet Riot and Dubrow when, when, you know, uh, it was everybody, Motley and Guns N' Roses. And, um, and, and at the rehearsal, it was every night, it was end at nine, we'd do our hair with Aquanet and our makeup and hit the Hollywood strip and go to the rainbow. And, yeah. and if, you know, just always being there, we were just there every night. It was, it was just all the time. Um, it just, uh, you know, we were in our early twenties and, you know, it was, it was the thing to do and it was packed every night. I mean, and it was just all about, you know, drug, sex and rock and roll. I mean, it, honestly, that's hundred percent what it was. Uh, it was, it was, it was uh, a lot of fun for the day, you know. Well, yeah, and I think that uh, you know it, we we should all be so lucky that our early twenties are uh, about uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, I mean, and the way that it works in in that respect. Um, I I want to touch on you mentioned a few of the the bands that you had st- shared the stage with. And uh, I, I think we might have touched on this the last time I talked to you, but I I think one of the the things that jumps out at me when I'm reading the the Angelus bio is that the band performed at the Reseda Country Club with Bon Jovi, Striper, and Angelus. Uh, but the thing that you know, look, that bill is fascinating. It'd be great to see anywhere, but it's at a country club. <laughs> so uh, do you, you do know you that's that when somebody was... books the country? Sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? It was called the Country Club, but okay. it was nothing but a rock venue. Oh, okay. So right. I'm imagining, you know, like everybody yeah, gets off no, the field. Is, Molly and... played there. Uh, we played there with Motorhead. 
Wow. Uh, you know, uh, just all your striper played there. Um, all the rock bands played there. I mean, uh, uh, Ron Keel, Keel played there with, with, uh, Steeler and Ingve. That was one of the, one of Ingve's only shows that he did. Other than I think the Troubadour with, with, Ke- with Steeler. And, uh, it was one of the few for sure. And, yeah. but it was, it was really a rock venue. It was probably the best one at the time, no doubt. Um, it was like a 1,200-seater. Actually, we brought more people than Bon Jovi, and we brought more people than Striper. And it was Striper, Angelus, and then Bon Jovi, and that, that sequence. And it's like we had – it only holds like 1,200 people, and we had over 500. And um, – it was a great night, you know. Joe Benson, it was uh he was a DJ on KLOS and he had uh, introduced us that night and he walked in our dressing room and and I was like over in the corner doing a line of coke <laughs> right before we were going on. Oh, oh god. Like, those like were, you said, that those were the times and uh it was, you know, Joe- I mean it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and 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 Joe ben- Benson was still on here in L.A. until uh, about ten years ago. Uh, I uh, Alice Cooper did a gig at the the Whiskey in 2011, and uh, and and I believe Joe came in and uh, you know introduced him, and oh. uh, so I kind of remember the time frame for when he was still doing it. Yeah, and uh, you know, but that's uh, it's funny to think about the you know how. Those people were obviously all around in those days. Um, you you mentioned uh, Motorhead, and clearly, if Motorhead's playing, this place can't possibly have been an actual country club. And yeah, you know, when you was. talk about the the rainbow to this day, there's the there's the statue of of Lemmy. Whenever somebody from out of town yeah. comes to visit, we get a picture with the Lemmy statue. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I've worked on shows where Lemmy's been a guest and, you know, he just seems like the great guy you'd want him to be. No bullshit. Like, you know, don't don't uh, don't 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 try and pull a fast one on him. But if, if you're if you're just upfront and honest, I think, uh, you know, he's he's going to be uh, fine with everybody. But talk a little bit about Lemmy. I always love hearing about Lemmy. You know, I, I never met him. Um, oh. I know our singer Dave at the time did. Um, he actually went on their bus. And with was actually with a couple of his girls, <laughs> but Dave was a big boy and he could take care of himself. But I didn't. I was really recluse back then, other than standing, going to the Rainbow, eating pizza, meeting girls, going outside on the sidewalk till four in the morning. Um, you know, I I wasn't like I wasn't like Chris Holmes. <laughs> I I never got you know, and I I think. That might have happened with Chris after he, he made it, you know. I, I think it's when when it went uh, when he went nuts and drinking and everything to to that extent. I mean, we're all partying, but we never we got with Michael Lloyd, and he had done a lot of bands that weren't rock bands, and so we got the wrong producer. If we would have got Roy Thomas Baker uh, or, or or you know any of the great ones back then. Uh, Matt Lang or any any of the great producers that were um, then, um, it would have been a different story. You know, I probably would have been dead. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, look, you you know, it's very easy to point to that scene. You know, you you referenced Dubrow, Kevin Dubrow, and, you know, he's a perfect example. 
Um, yeah. you know, somebody that just the, the excess really kind of got a hold of him early. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, he never recovered. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, it's probably better for you today that you don't have those, you know, you have your stories, but you don't have your like, just insane, like, oh yeah, there's four days that I, I, I just completely blacked out. I don't even know what happened, you know, or maybe you, you know, do, but let me think. Mm. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, there was times I think it came pretty close. Sure. I think in 89, we were recording the uh, Delivering the Good record. And it got pretty wild. And I mean, that that was, it went into about three or four days. It was okay. pretty nuts. That, that was, you know, it was going away. The rock scene was kind of dying. Everything was changing. And, um, you know, we, we didn't, we got picked up by Michael Lloyd and then we got uh, we got dropped because we were a rock band and he was a Christian type producer, uh, more of a, uh, a good guy, if you will. Uh, well, he did Donnie Emery Osmond, Leaf Garrett, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, uh, Donnie Osmond. I mean, this is what he was used to doing. We were his first rock band ever. And we were a real, we were a real fucking rock band. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt about it. We were, and you know, we we partied pretty hard. But our our singer Dave was probably the the real partier. It wasn't so much me as as much as him. Um, but he he was just like we were there. We wanted to drink beer, smoke pot, do whatever we could to relax. We're at Cherokee Studios, and it's a Saturday, and we're you know, thinking we're on our way and we're being told, you know, all the people that had recorded at Cherokee and, you know, you're 20 something years old in your early twenties. And it's like, you're like, you get a little bit nervous, you know, and, and I, I'm pretty sure those rock producers didn't hassle Van Halen for partying when they were recording the record or, you know, any of the bands, I'm sure they all had a certain amount of relaxation, you know, a way to set their mind. And, and it was, uh, you know, you're walking in and you've got the biggest of everybody around you. Got, you got the, he had the best team. He had everybody, an all-star lineup of everybody. And this one guy, I don't remember, he's walking me through this place and telling me about all the great bands and all the people that, that are on the staff and on the team that day to record our record, to start recording it. And it wasn't helping matters, you know. And then... It's it just like we weren't allowed to cuss, drink, smoke, and the whole band's out in the back behind us, <laughs> drinking, smoking pot, and you name it, you know. So we, we go in and we start to record, and I think we recorded three songs, which I'd never heard. I remember doing You Want Me to Love You, uh, Nasty Girls, and maybe No Sugar Tonight. I, I can't remember the third one. And then I came inside he, he asked us to come inside the booth and he said, um, uh, we were going to play it back or something. And I said, can we hear it back? And he felt like I was walking on his toes and he probably could smell the beer and the pot and, you know, heard the cussing and we were a rock band, you know, and he wasn't a rock producer. He's never done a rock band since. 
Right. And then, you know, that begs the question of, uh, you know, how do you end up with a producer who had done Donnie and Marie and Pat Boone and uh, Bill, why Bill, Bill, this guy, manager, Bill Hillman, he had done a, uh, a lot of B movies and he's the one that hooked us up with them. And we worked all summer on trying to find like we wanted three hits. He thought Nasty Girls was it. You want me to love you. And we needed another one. So we kept searching and we were sending them cassette tapes and he would listen to them. And we came up with, um, uh, um, uh, the guess who, um, God, I can't think of it right now. Uh, well, you were, you uh, mentioned no sugar no tonight before. Tonight. No yeah. Tonight. No sugar tonight. Yeah. 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 And, uh, we did it and it turned out real good and everything. So, it got dropped, and this is our 40th year of that album because I took it, I took exactly what he was going to do, took us to another studio, recorded, produced, and co-produced the album, and we it came out relatively pretty good quality, not major label standards, but pretty damn good. And it went really well. We got signed with uh, Mystic, with Doug Moody, and... Um, Come to find out years later, my son's on the internet and Doug's showing us to go on tour, go. And we just didn't have the backing at the time. You know, everybody that was supporting us, I had no parents. Dave had no parents. We were just like in the world with our fans. And that was it. That was our family. And um, we, we never thought about raising money for a tour or things like that. And we should have just found a way to go, um, to be honest. But you know, my son was on there about 12 years ago and on the internet. And I remember him telling me, Hey, dad, you know, you got albums everywhere. You got them in France, Germany, Italy, everywhere, all over overseas, man. And they sold a lot, a lot. I mean, tons. I mean, it sold. And I, I know a guy, Austin Wright, that's probably got 20 copies of Over No Angels. He's paid up anywhere from 35 to 100 bucks for him. From wow. over there, yeah. So yeah. somebody was uh, was making deals to get these things out overseas. Oh but, yeah, uh, he, he sent... did it. He didn't do it just us. He did it to all the bands that were on the label. And yeah. no, he nobody saw anything. Nobody saw yeah, the poll. Nobody. That it, he just screwed everyone. That's what but, it sounded you know, like. Yeah. 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 Oh no, I mean it's uh, it, it, as terrible as it is. You're not the only one with that story, Dale. And first of all, no. nobody, you know people have a story with the same guy that you, you reference, but also in general, yeah. you hear about uh, some of these kind of deals and uh, you know, a lot of times people are just like, well, we're going to release it overseas and no one will ever know. And you were just saying your son found it a few years ago. So they, they kind well, of were able to 12 years ago, 12 years ago. but so, yeah, on yeah. the internet, you know, he was on there and he's like, dad, <laughs> you got to check this shit out. You know, it's like <laughs> been selling all over the world. You know, and I'm like, oh, shit. So it's all right. It's our 40th year anniversary next year, by the way. So yeah. that's, that's badass. I mean, 40 years ago, it's going to be 40 years next uh, on the, the 2024. Yeah. Well, and that's great that, uh, as we referenced, you're kicking off the 40th year with some shows with Lita Ford. Great show. Uh, let's yeah. uh, take a moment and talk about uh, the another new song you have called Crimes of Insanity. Our uh, audio audience will get to hear a little bit of uh, both of those uh, songs. 
uh, crimes of insanity and raising hell, you know, about. Uh, Have you heard uh, Evil and Good? Have you gotten that one? I don't think they sent me that one. And I, I'll I'll have to apologize because, you know, uh, Jody sends me everything, but I don't think I have that one yet. It's called Evil and Good. It's called Evil and Good. Just Google Angelus Evil and Good. All right. Uh, well, tell me about that one, and then we'll talk about uh, Crimes of Insanity. Uh, it's, it's about the battles, and the battles cry. Evil and good, the battles cry, you know, and it's 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 about the negatives and the positives and and the lust of the world, and, uh, you know, it's it just, it's about the good and the bads, you know, fighting each other, and uh, sometimes there's evil, sometimes it's wild, sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes you don't understand. Sometimes you want to send, you know, madness on the loose, you know. Uh, so, and, and then, like, the choruses, um, listen to the music playing in our ears, you know, and, yeah. and uh, uh, come along and, and, you know, have a drink with me, you know, and have a toast. And, and so it, it's got, like, a the chorus kind of lightens up, and then it goes into have a drink with me, you know, so. It, it's it's kind of got you know it's a, it, it I, I threw that little bit of lightness in there on the chorus I guess that's the yeah. chorus I, the, it's a pretty interesting song you got to check it out Times of Insanity so Times of Insanity yeah let's uh, talk about uh, the uh, the one of the other new songs that you've got right now I just do it is another one okay. And, and where do people go to find uh, all this stuff? I because there's an Angelus uh, YouTube channel website. Let's let everybody yeah. know where they can find Spotify, all this stuff. Um, Geezer, I guess it's called. I don't know this. These download places. Um, I just saw it on. What was that? All kinds of places. And all the download. All the oh. places that download. It's available everywhere. But Spotify yeah. is the main one, and Geezer and. There was another. <laughs> I don't. Well, if, if there if there's a streaming service called Geezer and they haven't had uh, Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath endorsing, no, maybe some, it's not yeah. Geezer. Maybe it's Geezer. D E. I don't uh, even know what it's called. D E. All right. D -E -R, I think. So yeah, I, I was trying mean, to I I was trying to help them do some promotion, but uh, <laughs> let's start over again from that section. Yeah, no worries. We got yeah. So, yeah, so tell it's us about Spotify Crimes and all your digital downloads. Yeah, yeah. That's where you can get it everywhere. That's that's great. Yeah, so, get it everywhere. Get it everywhere. So, uh, Crimes of Insanity is uh, is one of them. So, you're talking about the 40th anniversary. We referenced the shows of Lita. Uh, now, maybe there's stuff that's not quite uh, you know buttoned up yet. What would you like to be doing for your 40th year? What are what are some ideas? Anything else you can uh, let our audience know is already coming? What's happening for the 40th? Year, I'm going in to finish up another song on the 20th called Good Times. And that's going on. The CD is going to be done. For, there's going to be eight songs. And everything's going to be on the CD. And that's going to be coming out. And that's an going to be... Distro Kid is our download uh you know is our place that uh we loaded up to great and and, and so that'll Angela's be an actual com. that'll be an actual album of of eight songs yeah. and uh of eight songs yeah right. and so, so our website everything will be available there at angelusband.com angelusband.com that's uh what i yeah. want to make sure i got it right and yeah. uh 
Plenty. And uh, so hopes for other shows besides the shows with Lita, obviously. And yeah. uh, the, the uh, I, I mean, look, and I think, look, a lot of bands, you know, they, uh, they, they kind of go out there and they, they play some old songs. Well, they do some covers and stuff, but uh, I like that you're, you're not just making new music. It seems like you're constant. Like I knew about two songs and you've mentioned like three other ones. It's like, and we're doing another one next week. Yeah. Talk about that, Dale, the importance to you. Like, you know, you, I guess you've got all this still inside you and you want to kind of get it out and share this music with people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we got other shows. We got one in Michigan at the blind pig on February 2nd. And then we've got one here in Ohio, in Salem, Ohio, on February 10th at Fernangles, I think. It's a weird name. And um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we've got one at the Whiskey, uh, September 19th, um, next year on a Thursday, with co-headlining with Bitch, uh, which is on, I mentioned, in, you know, Raising Hell. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. Really looking forward yeah. to that. Well, that's uh, that that's uh, typically in my neck of the woods. I live I live in Burbank, but I uh, I make it to oh. the to the whiskey when I can. And um, yeah, the uh, who I can't remember her name. The the woman who was bitch who was the the singer for bitch. I just Betsy. I just that's yeah. I I went to uh, and it was an event, a, a book event for Brian Slagle of Metal Blake Records had a new uh, book out, and Betsy was there because I guess they had been on Metal Blade at, at one point, and oh, they were. Uh, she, you know, she was. Uh, I I don't know. I'm you know I, I I would never try to assume how old the lady is. However, she was just full of fire and you know piss and vinegar, yeah. like everything you'd want everything you'd want from somebody known for a band named bitch, you know? So right. oh, yeah. and she's, I don't want that to, to sound like she wasn't nice. Cause she was very nice, but she was very funny. You know, she, uh, she had a lot to say and uh, that's great to hear that uh, you've got something coming up at the whiskey. Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, we're uh, uh, she's going to, she's in her documentary. And then uh, Tarja is also in the documentary coming out probably maybe mid January. It should be released. And a lot of Doug Ellison from Snow, which was in, you know, Carlos and Cabazo was in Snow. And they had done, I think, Bang Your Head in that band as well and, and some of their hits. And, so and, the the documentary you're saying will be available in January. And yeah. uh, do you know where people will be able to see it or is that uh, still getting worked on? That's being worked on right now. Okay. Yeah, and you know we had Darkstar Records, and every you can go get a lot of stuff through Darkstar. On I think I don't know if you can order it. We don't know what's going on. Jeffrey, the president, had an accident uh, almost a year ago, February. It will be a year, and but we were on Darkstar, DarkstarRecords.com, and it's really a shame. You know he. He uh, went out partying one night and and got ended up getting in a fight and 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 had traumatic brain injury and and uh, so then we kind of dealt with curtain call for a while and John Coons and and he's helping us you know here and there and and he's a great guy and and uh, uh, we've uh, um, 
you know, just doing it ourselves. Just I, at this point, I, I don't really not concerned about a label. Uh, yeah. I, I had something come. I'm not concerned about a label. Um, so we're like it's from DGL Entertainment, and um, that's we're just kind of putting them on Distro Kid, you know, under Angela's band. Or is it Angela's or Angela's band? I never look at this stuff. I don't know about this stuff. My wife Connie does it, and I just write the music and do my job, give it to her, and you know, I I keep the seeing things saying that we're now on this thing and we're now on that thing and through right. our emails, but you and then know, you just, so. and then you just turn to Connie and you're like, are we on this thing? And she'll either say, yes, you're on it or no, not yet. Yeah. Uh, that's, but, yeah that's it. That's, I mean, that's what you look, we, we all need a Connie in our life. Uh, my, my wife, yeah. Heather handles, uh, you know, all, all the important stuff that I can't keep track of. So yeah. Angela's band seems like the, the spot to go to, to find everything, but angelusband.com is our website. And it's got, it's got our videos on there. It's got our bio. Um, we're going to be putting together a new store. There's not a store on there right now, but we're putting that together because we're got a lot of new merchandise coming up and things of that sort. So they'll all be there. So the uh, one last thing on the documentary that uh, hopefully will be available early in 2024, is there a name for it? So we know what to look out for, or is that also still, it's like the untitled Angelus band project. You know, I, raising hell in the sunset strip was a strong possibility. That's a, I, uh, I, I you know, Dale, I, I have an idea for a song that you could use to go with that title. I don't know. I mean, it's a, maybe a crazy idea, but I think you might be onto something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 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 thinking maybe that that off the top of my head that's what I'll that that's what I'd call it. Definitely. Well, that'll be great, uh, Dale. I'm very excited for your 40th year, and uh, you know September's a long way off, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note. I'm gonna touch base with Jody, the publicist. If if you guys are gonna be at the whiskey, I'll see what I can do to make sure that I'm at the whiskey that night, and uh, hopefully there's Love a lot of great stuff there. in between. Be great. Yeah, uh, Dale Lytle, uh, AngelusBand.com. And you heard him mention a bunch of new music, uh, hopefully a documentary. Uh, congratulations on 40 years and, uh, you know, many, many more good years to come. And uh, looking forward to all of it. Go ahead. Angela's Band YouTube. So it's so look for Angela's Band on Angela's YouTube Band as well. YouTube. That's good. Yeah. Yep. So have know, it. We got Connie's done. a. We've done a ton of videos on there. Well, yeah. we yeah. So we all we all owe a big thanks to Connie for uh, making sure there's a lot of great stuff on there. And uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Dale and Connie thank for you. the time. And, and uh, looking forward to uh, yeah, same to you. And looking forward to catching up with you sometime in the 40th year. Thanks again, uh, Dale Lytle of Angels. The 80s were really wild on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't know about all that because I was in grade school back then. What was yeah. it like? Oh, it was hell, man. It was fucking awesome. Why don't you tell us what it was like then? All right.
for listening to The Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on The Bladcast. Welcome to the party, pal! Naughty. No one that I'm talking to, no friends of mine, no one in this universe, Bedabbler, OJ, none of these people are calling your mother. Christian Blatt, I suspect, might be calling your mother, but I don't know. Not 100% from who are these socials. I, 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 I suspect. Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, he did tweet something. On Mother's Day, he tweeted something about moms, so I'm assuming that's what he meant. You know, obviously. So, you know, I would start looking into Christian Blatt. Blatt it. I don't know. Nobody knows how to say it. Nobody knows. But anyway, the Bladcast. And who are these socials? Sorry, the Bladcast. Who are these broadcasts? Timothy. It's Tim. Who are these broadcasts? Thank you. What an amazing day. Couldn't possibly be topped until tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, when Eric Zane and Christian Blatt are live on this same channel of who are these broadcasts? Broadcasts. Not... Who are these socials? As Cardiff said. Or broadcasts. No, I said broadcasts. Broadca- well, you also broadcasts. said socials, Yes. Who are these broadcasters? Is on this channel every broadcasts. Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern with Christian and Eric. They do a, a fa- fantastic job bringing you all the news on broadcasting from the week. And, and broadcasts. And a lot of silly things that happen on local news. It's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the night Rising up to the challenge of arrival And the last no survivor chose the... Все, ребята, я сдулся The great Christian Black. Yes, go to the Blackcast and subscribe there Because uh, I'm sure all of you are already subscribed to who are these podcasts Mr. Blackcast is in the chat. Oh my God, it's Christian. It's Christian. The Blackcast, two dollars. Would Nicholas Gurr seated in the groom side? No. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. The Blackcast. Thank you, Christian, for another two dollars. Should we assume the groom chose the videographer? Perhaps. We have so many heathens now. I'm reading out all of them. I'm sorry, all y'all. Uh, we got one gifted to Lesser Logic. One to the Blackcast. You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch got lucky this time, Christian. How do we kick a heathen out? No, I'm just kidding. He's one of the most OG heathens that have ever heathened. This is my friend, Christian. He This this little fucker does know oh, who I Oh, black am. cast? Yeah. Christian, I've already forgotten about you. Christian who? <laughs> this is why you're stupid, Christian. This is why you're dumb. Christian's also a huge Doctor yeah. Who fan. How dare we find masculine men hot? That's crazy. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Christian. Can you please call Christian Blatt after this and explain yeah. to him <laughs> quality control? Yeah, right. Thank you. We're fighting for our right to live the way we need to, to exist in a festive world for 55 to 57 full days. And the Bladcast showing up, my buddy Christian. Hello, I'm Conrad Bain. What's the matter, Senor Luigi? You look a little nervous. I'm very nervous. No invite. <laughs> Who are you, Christian Bland? Christian, you are, you're a talker. Oh, no, you're like the I worst broadcast ever. Well, this has been the Blackcast. You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I'm getting ready to break into a Slim Jim. Yeah. Right on. This is 
not a good game. But you haven't heard Christian Blatt do it. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot Christian Blatt did that with us. The Blatt cast. So Thank you, Christian. How is it that Wendy is so much better at this than Stud Joe, Chad, and Kevin Brennan? Whoa! Hacka hackas. As pissed off as Vinny is at you, yeah, you yeah, should yeah. be at Christian Blatt and Eric <laughs> This one came in from uh, my buddy Christian Blatt. The Blatt cast. Thank you for the 199, Christian. Uh, Cardiff, grab your guitar to play Whole lot of Rosie. Mousies? The Blattcast 199. Who's had more hands up their bum? Chad or Tukey? <laughs> Chad. Thank you, Blattcast. Blattcast. The Blattcast is 100% right. Uh, the Bladfest. The Blattcast. The Blattcast. One of the best podcasts you can ever see. The Blattcast. Whoop de doo. We're watching it. We got no Wi Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Blattcast. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500 last time I checked. Totally forgot. I am doing the Blattcast tomorrow. Uh, the Blattcast, 499. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. <laughs> that was not my fault. Tuki loves you all more than a friend. I love Tuki. Yay! <laughs> hacka hacka! I'm so excited! Try anything and you cancel, bro. Let's <laughs> eat! Oh, yeah! I was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. See what about them? We'll see who's doing it. Mickey is no tin dog. Oh, yeah! Naughty. What is that? That, my silly friend, is the sound of bells. What are bells? AMC Theatres. We make movies better.